Good afternoon. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast brought to you by the Del Norte County Office of Education and Del Norte Unified School District. I'm Jeff Harris, the superintendent of schools for Del Norte. And today, um, I think we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that a lot of people probably know about, but some people may know very little to nothing about. And that is performing arts in our community and really an interesting, intriguing, uh, timely and important topic, which is the building of a performing arts center. So joining me today, I have uh, three folks, um, one who a lot of you may know because your children may have had him, uh, you may have seen him out and about town, Dan Sedgwick. Dan is the instrumental music teacher at Del Norte High. He used to be the music teacher at Del Norte High, but there have been some changes, right? <laughs> there have been a few, yeah. <laughs> a few, okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming over. Absolutely. And then uh, for those who haven't met them, uh, a wonderful addition in, I believe it was 2019, to our community, and that's returning. Um, Nick is returning uh, since, uh, Nick, when did you graduate? 1968, and we returned to the community in January of 2021. 2021. But, but we met before that. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, Nick and Lisa Rail are also joining me today. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about performing arts, but then leading into kind of that conversation about the the concept of a performing arts center. So, and Dan, we'll talk a little bit later about when we talk about the center. The first time you and I talked about it, we had the picture from the old center that looked kind of like a UFO, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, um, so Dan, tell, tell us kind of a... A, a short history, recent history about what performing arts has looked like uh, in our schools um, and and the experiences that our kids have had. And we'll talk a little bit about how that's grown. Yeah. So I have to really dig back in my brain. I believe when I started here 15 years ago, I was one of four full-time music teachers. Uh, K4 music was not currently happening. It had been happening at some point, but it disappeared at some point. Uh, Then uh, we hired another music teacher um, five, six years later, or I can't remember exactly when Sarah Rogers came on, and she was the fifth music teacher. Uh, And that kind of uh, gets us all the way up to the current um, uh, place where we're at, where K4 music is happening at every school site again. And we now we have seven full-time positions. We are actually short one music teacher currently. It's being filled with an IA position. So if anybody knows a music yeah, teacher. Yeah, there's, here's our plug right now. Uh, but we have seven full-time positions, six actually on staff currently. Uh, yeah, and like I said, K4 Music is back. And I, I'm, I'm really focusing on music. I can't really speak to much of the other arts, uh, especially in the other uh, other grades. Uh, but at the high school level, I mean, it's pretty robust. We now have two full-time music teachers at the high school level, as, long, uh, as well as a uh, full-time dance teacher, uh, two full-time art teachers, and a part-time theater arts teacher. Right, and, uh, and, and I think that the the goal, we, we were talking about Crescent Elk, 
was about really trying to even bring theater arts in because there's a really robust music program happening now at all of our middle schools. But Crescent Elk, I think, has you a little bit scared about the number of kids in music. Yeah, Marching Man's going to be a little big in a few years. Uh, no, uh, definitely. Uh, I want to see the theater program grow. I mean, this this whole conversation's evolving to the Performing Arts Center. It'd be really nice if we had a, a play in that theater the first year it's open. And that starts, it, we have to have that place in the, at Crescent Elk all the way up to the high school. Right. Well, so you, you mentioned Crescent Oak. So when when I first came, which was about eight years ago, um, Crescent Elk was still is the only um, lar- large, I'll use that in quotation marks, venue in, in the county, right, to have a performance other than a gym. But um, it had the wooden seats that pinched people. It had seats that were busted in the front, um, curtains that were kind of in tatters. It, it was not a great place for performances. Peeling walls. Didn't look very pretty either. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not great. Um, but the reason that I, I talked a little bit ago about meeting Nick and Lisa for the first time in 2019 was, I think it was, was it December of 2019? No. September. September. Well, January 2020 is when we had our first Ta-da. The first ta right. So it must have been December that I was invited and told that yes. it was going to happen. And then when January rolled around, um, we walked into the multipurpose center at Mary Peacock School, and it was amazing, right? Um, the whole place was packed out. Kids came in. And Nick, you and Lisa were there, and... Tell, tell everybody a little bit about that first ta in case they either have forgotten about it or they weren't aware of it. Well, going back to the Paleozoic, <laughs> when Redwood Elementary started school band in 1959, and my parents somehow, unknown how they did it to me to this day, scraped together enough money for me to buy a trumpet and join band in 1959, Fast forward to um, adulthood, going through the high school program with Gene Petrick to UC Santa Barbara, UC Berkeley, uh, on into music retail and a very successful career in music retail, uh, six stores in Southern California. When Lisa and I got to the point where it was time to sell the business, it took us no time at all to decide we don't have kids, we don't have pets, We've got a nice big fat check in our hand. What are we going to do with it? Where did it all start? So we had this check, and then within five seconds, we had it turned over and endorsed to uh, a donor-advised fund to support the performing arts and public education in Delaware County, and we haven't looked back. And the first thing we wanted to do was to make sure no kid was in the situation that I was where the parents might not be able to have their child participate in band due to the lack of an instrument. And yes, we had that first wonderful ta-da. We've had two others since then. And now the district owns enough instruments, brand new, primarily Yamaha, some Eastman, top drawer stuff. No kid who wants to play will not be able to play due to the lack of an instrument. And just that just feels good. 
Oh my gosh. And what, what a huge gift to kids, right, Dan? I mean, because what was the, what were the quality of some of the instruments before? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, some of the ones uh, are, are still in service from when Nick was in school. Um, in fact, the bassoon uh, is still technically in service at our, our high school music department. So our kids are playing priceless antiques. Uh, priceless antiques. There you go. Priceless antiques. No, uh, we were putting band-aids on band-aids yeah. um, and trying to, and we didn't have a shop at that point either. So we had to send everything out. It was too expensive. And, you know, well, I remember you, you and I had talked about, I mean, we, we were getting trailers to load instruments on to drive them out of town to get repaired. Yeah. Right. And that do. was the only way to get them fixed. And I, I actually, I, I think I did this more than once. I brought you and Nick uh, a hundred instruments or yeah. so, and they just went with me camping. And uh, yeah, it made, it made the trip interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the way down to Santa Barbara to get fixed. Well, and when times. you talk about going down to Santa Barbara to take him to Nick, there's a reason that you two knew each other from before, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I worked for Nick Crail Music. Uh, let's see. I'm really testing my brain here. I believe the year 2000, the summer of 2000, and then all the way through uh, City College 2002, and then off and on when I when I went to Humboldt State University, which will always be Humboldt State, not Cal Poly Humboldt. <laughs> Sorry, had to plug that. And then, uh, yeah, so I would go back and do summer or uh, runs to Bakersfield or, or do a little bit of repair and whatnot, and kind of did that for about two or three more years past that. So uh, then fast forward, I uh, I left Humboldt State. I went up to UO to get a master's degree up there. And then I finally decided that's enough schooling. Went back and visited Santa Barbara one more time. I remember very clearly having this conversation with Nick in his shop in Santa Barbara saying, hey, I, I just want to let you know I got a job. It's it's at Del Norte High School. And Nick kind of interrupted me. He goes, in Crescent City. And I was like, <laughs> how the heck do you know where that is? And Nick told me all the, uh, you know, the, the backstory about going to school, Delnor High School. So, and I didn't know any of this until after I accepted the job here at Delnor High School. So it's pretty amazing. Almost a 25 year relationship. It's a great story. It yes. is. Because Dan started coming into my music store for lessons with his younger brother and sister when Dan was, what, 10, 11 years old? Something I, like I remember that. going across the street when your store was the old building. I must have been like six, eight years old with my grandfather. It was way back. So great memories, great memories. So, yeah. well, and, and building new ones, right? So, so here's Dan now teaching. You've known each other for a long time. You and Lisa come back to the area. Um, actually, it was before you came back to the area and, and did that first round of, of Tada, the donations. And then along with the donations that you were doing, we were, you were all looking at the quality of instruments. And out of that, there came kind of, I'll say the next step, even though it's kind of been in tandem with some of the other things. And that's the, that's the instrument repair shop, right? So how did that come about, Nick? I had a friend in the industry that was closing their business. Um, they weren't selling, they were closing, retiring, um, ready to get out of the game. And they had a very high quality, full fully equipped repair shop, and I called up Dan. I says, Dan, you need a shop to at least maintain your inventory, and guess what? You could make a class out of it, too, if the district's willing to let you. And this music store was down near uh, the Mojave Desert, near Victorville, in a town called Hesperia, and it was very serendipitous. Dan happened to be on tour with the Steel Drum Band with, guess what? 
just enough room to fit a repair shop. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. <laughs> it was all the way to floor to ceiling. <laughs> yeah, there was room for a toothbrush when we were done. And uh, such a delight. And then such deep bows to the school district because Dan returned, set up the shop, and uh, talked to you, Jeff, and talked to Tom, said, can I start a repair class for the kids? I've only got five students this year. And you said yes. And who says yes to a five-student class? It doesn't happen. And of those five students in the 2021 class year, two of them were seniors, graduated, went on to vocational technical school uh, up in Renton, Washington, and they'll be starting their third year soon down at the same music store in Tucson, Arizona. They're happy as can be. It's a great career. Oh, wow. And uh, a career technical education home run. And uh, Oh, that, Absolutely. Now there are two classes and uh, eight, nine students apiece, eight workstations. Uh, the program has grown and uh, what a delight. Yeah, it's and it's a fun class to teach. It's the I teach only performance classes, and this is definitely not that, but so integral to what we do as musicians. If we don't have people that can fix the horns, this doesn't move. No right. one performs. Well, and I think the interesting part is, in some respects, right, it also pays for itself. I mean, it, it does the job that we all do, which is teach kids. Um, it, it promotes different perspectives of the craft, right, whether that that is the the maintenance, the the construction, the engineering, or the performance component, right? Um, but it also every one of those students that are in that class that are fixing an instrument, they're supporting their peers, right? They're yeah. they're supporting yep. everything that's and and the elementary school yeah, students the entire, because the entire school district, the entire district, which is an amazing amazing thing. So not counting the summer repair, which was, I don't even want to put a price tag on if we sent every instrument out uh, to, uh, well, actually, Nick, I could ask you, what, what was a basic, like, uh, going into the shop, a clarinet comes in for summer repair, it doesn't need anything, but you did a once over 20, 30 bucks, maybe, or, you know, maybe a pad or two here or there? Well, uh, part of it is the number of instruments in inventory, which is approaching a thousand now for the mm -hmm. district. And... If we took an average, we could probably average it if it were a retail shop charging for facilities. Your information is a little dated yeah. from the last time you had to have that done yeah. and, and probably a little compromised by the fact I was giving you the Dan price. <laughs> uh, easy to picture 50 to $75 an instrument. So let's say so $50,000 $50, for well, summer repair. Uh, 60 No, no. no. Six seven thousand dollars for a summer repair, something like that, would yeah. wouldn't be unusual for the inventory that you've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did the entire summer uh, inventory, uh, Sarah Rogers and I, and some students. Mm -hmm. um, so far this school year, and I know some instruments didn't get on the spreadsheet. I've been keeping a log what goes in the. So a kid drops a horn, we we take it in, we fix it, and I put an estimated cost of uh, what it would cost to right. go through a music store. And again, I probably um, underestimated everything. We're well over a thousand dollars this year alone right. by turning around horns to students. De doing dent repair, pads, tenon corks, all that stuff. And a good portion of that is being done by the students in the classes. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, the last ta-da we did back, back just this past January, right. so one of the instruments was a, about a $2,500 French horn, which got dropped <laughs> in February. Already, already. <laughs> Off already. And big, fat dents in it. And Dan posted before and after the shop. And you look at it, 
you have to be a tech like me with 50 years experience to be able to tell that we're dense in that. That's the quality of work that Dan is teaching and the students are doing. Oh my it's gosh. impressive. So I have an old Benj cornet I need to bring in that I dropped when I was a kid. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the dent out. <laughs> but so, you know, the cool part of it is, is, is it was this, this vision that you and Lisa had of supporting students the vision Dan had, along with all of his colleagues, about kind of building out uh, performing arts just across the board. And and there had been conversations in the community prior about, well, what about this larger civic center? What about a community performing arts center? And now our kids are equipped. Now our kids have this kind of vision for some really cool stuff with a large bubble of kids coming up from elementary and middle school that are really chomping at the bit to get engaged in performing arts at the high school. But the best performing arts place for them in Del Norte is still Crescent Elk, which Nick, you had a, you and Lisa had a large part in refurbishing the Crescent Elk Auditorium because like you said earlier, it was in a pretty bad state of repair. It was lousy in the 60s when I performed on it. And <laughs> back in the 60s, the stage was larger. It's been cut down for safety reasons. The yeah. high school band won't fit on it. The chairs, as, as you mentioned, weren't particularly comfortable. Uh, the paint was peeling off the walls. But still, at, with the refurbishment in partnership with the school district and uh, a side assist from Northridge Electric and from J.D., John mm-hmm. Degler, uh, all of us combined a great uh, team effort to bring in what would have been a might happen in five to 10 years, $1.1 million project in for less than half of that inside 18 months. We were also blessed by the fact that we were able to do this during COVID so we could tie up the auditorium for the renovation when we actually had access to it and nobody could use it. That's right. So new flooring, new seats, new drapes, new stage floor, new state-of-the-art sound system, new paint, uh, unrecognizable from what it was before. But still, it only holds 385 people and for being the largest concert-appropriate venue in the county. Right. We're robbing a lot of people of a lot of experiences, whether they're on the stage or in the audience. Well, and, and so again, if we just talk about kind of this, this layering effect, the instruments are here, the kids are engaged, the programs are growing. We Crescent Elk is now, honestly, I think it's a beautiful place to go into to, to have an event. And um, if folks haven't been there, um, I believe in mid-April when we do the um, Komome celebration of commemorating the 10th anniversary of the landing of the Komome boat in uh, Crescent City on South Beach, um, I believe we're going to have a taiko drum group performing in the auditorium and it'll be free to the community. So if you haven't been in there, I know that's at least one thing coming up along with everything that Danaka does and all of the other performance series that happen in there. But um, uh, I would encourage people to go. All of those things, though, are still not, I think, fully um, realizing the the vision and the work that you and Lisa have been doing either, right, Nick? Because ultimately... We started talking in 2020 about a different thing, 
right? So talk a little bit about the Performing Arts Center. So Performing Arts Center built on the high school campus, a uh, 26,000 square foot footprint, plus or minus 1,000 uh, seats for the audience with 700 on the main floor, 300 in the balcony, um, in the parking lot across from the band room between the parking lot and the tennis courts. Tennis courts will um, become parking for the Performing Arts Center and the, the tennis courts themselves will be re relocated to the southeast portion of the campus uh, with a gazebo so we can play year round, right? That's, that's our goal. And that's, uh, that's pretty exciting right there. Um, the opportunities that the Performing Arts Center will bring to this county, um, we look at what it does for our youth, so youth first, students first, community second, all our different community groups, mm -hmm. performing arts third, performing groups, that traveling groups that uh, we bring into town and um, have concerts. We look at so many people in the county that cannot afford or do not have the opportunity to go to the world. and. This allows us to bring the world to the community. Mm -hmm. And we think, how many groups could come to Crescent City if we had an auditorium big enough to sell enough tickets so that we could pay the bill and have right. another group come and so forth and so on. Uh, the, the center can also be an emergency evacuation control center. We've got CR and the fire department and the cafeteria and the gym nearby. Uh, there's just so many different opportunities with this. Right. Well, Wherever you be, stand in the community, there's something for you Exactly, in this and center. it would be the largest civic, civic center in the community, too. So, you know, if um, if one of our local politicians or, you know, state representative, uh, congressional representatives were to come in and, and hold a meeting, it doesn't have to be in a, um, a multi-purpose room at a school site anymore. It doesn't have to be... In some of those other places, we could actually have a thousand people who came with, like we were talking about Crest Elk, state of the art sound system, a place designed for this, right? Yes. Along along with the these other pieces. And I, I happened to mention Danaka a minute ago, um, and we've talked about Crescent City, but I, I think the work that that you've been doing as part of the partnership for the performing arts, I'm gonna say is much bigger than just the school district, even though we've got thousands of kids who go through our schools every year and, and engage with this. Um, and it's bigger than just Crescent City. We, so, uh, Our nonprofit, the Partnership for the Performing Arts, um, has been working erasing the state line uh, going over to Curry County. We already have a great partnership with Corey Tamandong at uh, Brookings Harbor High School, the, di the entire district up there, Wild River Symphony that does concerts in Brookings and Crescent City. Um, and we've been doing a lot of outreach up there as well. And we have two rural communities where the demographics are somewhat different, but they're more alike than they are different. So uh, we are extending our hand to Curry County as well to make use of this facility. And uh, I can tell you, everybody we've spoken to in Curry County is just as excited about this Performing Arts Center as people in Del Norte County. Well, and, you know, it gives us more to share than just Fred Meyer, Walmart, and Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. No, it, it's, it's really exciting, um, but it's not cheap. 
So, so share a little bit about the cost of the Performing Arts Center. So the cost of the Performing Arts Center is $42 million. And the, uh, the business model that we're following, which is a very standard business model for this sort of venture uh, between uh, private and school district is the partnership for the Performing Arts is responsible for raising the money. Then once the money's raised, it goes to the district who's in charge of design, bid, build. So the district uh, chooses the architect, the, arch- the, the drawings are drawn up, then the project is put out to bid and the cons- construction starts. And once the building is completed, the district owns it. And then we kick it back to the partnership of the performing arts who manages it. Mm-hmm. And that's a very standard model for a venture of this sort. And uh, we were we, we got um, we spent most of last year and early all of 2022 and the second half of 2021 forming our nonprofit, our board, educating our board, uh, bringing people in on contract, capital campaign director, and so forth, educating the board on the finer points of fundraising and so forth, and didn't really intend to start our fundraising process until January of this year. However, in November of last year, Senator Mike McGuire, the majority lead of the state Senate in California, gifted us with a $2.5 million check from the Senate, and uh, that was a very welcome jump start to the campaign. Uh, not to toot our own horn, Lisa and myself, but we've also pledged a million dollars towards this project. And um, we it's have amazing. a yeah. similar amount pledged by other people and doing fundraising as we go along. So we're about 10% into the project now, but 2023 is the year that we, we uh, are seriously rolling up our sleeves to actually raise money. The uh, 2022 is building the foundation to go out and do what we're now doing in 2023. Right. We're excited. Well, you know, and I think it's 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 really interesting for the folks here locally because the other, I'll say, ideas or attempts or starts or whatever it was, um, really, this project is far beyond I think where any of them landed, because at this point with the 2.5 million, and our hope is that that. Uh, uh, as you said, you and Lisa have, have pledged the one million. There's there are other folks who have pledged. That f- there's still fundraising to come. This two point five million should cover, based on our calculations, all the soft costs to get the um, to get all the all the permits to get the uh, geologic surveys to get the um, um, blueprints done to really get the design completed. Um, before we ever break ground, all that's really been paid for, right? Which is a huge, like you said, that's a huge gift from uh, from Senator McGuire and, and the state of California. Um, but there are a lot of people out there, I'm sure, who are going to hear this and go, oh my gosh, how do I help, right? And the one thing that we've, we've talked about kind of over and over again is we didn't want to necessarily, we didn't want to build this on the backs of people in Del Norte County. Not at all. This is a gift to the community not a take from the community. Right. Individuals will want to give. They're welcome to give. We will be looking to the state for additional funds, to the federal, to corporations, mm-hmm. to private foundations, um, looking under all those rocks. <laughs> um, 
a bond is not something we're interested in. If we get to the final couple of feet before we're all the way to 42, maybe at the end of the day that could happen. My my, uh, my personal uh, challenge is I'm not interested in a bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's robbing somebody else's pet project. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the whole process of bringing this gift to the community is, for Lisa and myself, we have one thing on our bucket list. We're both old. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this, uh, this final chapter for us to give this gift to the community is... Uh, that's what that's that's what we want to do to be able to walk in the door of that building yes, and yes. sit in that front row and listen to that first performance yes. just be absolutely amazing we made this decision many years ago mm-hmm. even longer ago than nick remembers yeah and um, you would be getting an, an inheritance mm-hmm. in the future and that was one reason why we agreed to do this. Right. It's not all on Nick's hand. Right. Yeah, so. Amazing. We started talking about this back in 2000. Right. Longer. Longer than that, Much even longer. back in the 1990s, as when we first started talking this back and forth about wow. what we would do. And it's not our legacy. We're not interested in the legacy. No. We're interested in the gift. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing thing though i mean honestly when you think about it some people think about it as a building right but i know the conversations we've had it's not a building it's it's a it's a place right it, it's it's that it's that place of belonging but it's a it's a transformative component to the entire community dan you you probably know i mean and i know that everybody feels this way but when I started here eight years ago, they asked me to speak at the economic summit and looking around this place, there are very few places in California that are this pretty, this accessible, um, this desirable to be. Um, and, and I said at that point in time, people, you know, this is the next Carmel. This is the next artist colony in California. This is the next whatever, but we haven't had the infrastructure to be able to do it. And that's exactly what this is. Yeah. The, uh, the performances that we bring in, uh, from out of town, what a benefit this will be to the hospitality industry. I I think of all the people, I call them day traders, day trippers rather, (laughs) that, uh, come in from Humboldt County. They go out to the Grove of Titans and then they end up in, uh, Coos Bay or, or Eugene or something same day and the business that we get out of them is uh, two Big Macs and two Cokes and a couple of fries and that's it. Take a gas, they're good to go. Yeah. Right. But with a good performance in town at the Performing Arts Center, these people will stay a night, they might stay too. Right. Uh, so we look throughout the business sector at the, the benefit. Um, most of our entertainment dollars that are spent uh, by people in this county go go out of the county because people, the, the 5% that can afford to go do go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to turn that trend around. Yeah, And that, that's good for everybody. We get uh, cultural enrichment and keep the business in the county. It's it's all great stuff. Right. Well, and we didn't even, we didn't even, and we're almost out of time, or actually we're beyond time, but we didn't even touch on the benefit it brings to our tribal partners that we've talked about how how tribal governments could use the facility or 
um, our, our, uh, the um, uh, Hmong Cultural Center, who is just looking so forward to doing their New Year's there. Um, so I, I think if, so there's two things. If folks want to join in, they want to join you, they'd like to pledge, whether it's $5 or $5 million. How do they reach the PPA? So our website is ppadelnort.org. ppadelnort.org. Yes. And is there a donate now button? You bet. <laughs> <laughs> and we we just uh, 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 redid our website. We're very proud of our new website. So if you uh, do have the chance, whether you're um, going on to the website to donate or or not. Do, do spend some time when you're there uh, to look around and uh, check out everything on the on, on the uh, on the website where we did a good job on that so yeah, that's pretty cool yeah. well and and so I think the very last thing is if all goes according to plan if everybody's behind this 110 percent when do the doors open January 2028 is open the doors and uh we will, all of us, uh, the, the entire team that has uh, been working on this and will have been working on this up until that time, will all be up on stage to present this gift to the community and with deep bows. So, Dan, you got five years to get the kids ready. Uh, we're, we're ready now. We're ready now. No more gym concerts. No more gym concerts. Uh, yeah, I remember, I remember in... Not only the, the wretched concerts at Crescent Elk, but also in the gym at the high school at Tunin Gym back in the 60s uh, with with uh, Gene Peter. We grumbled about every concert there back then. And here it's over half a century later and we haven't fixed the problem. What's wrong with us? You know, yeah. so it's time to fix the problem. Oh, so well, we'll get and, it done. Well, and, and I just want to say, um, kind of on behalf of the district, I just want to really thank you and Lisa for pushing this forward for taking, being the tip of the spear, you know, in, in getting this project going. Uh, everybody on the PPA for all the time and effort that they have spent and will be spending on this. And then Dan, for all the work that you and your colleagues do um, in visual and performing arts, because we'll be able to celebrate those in, in much, much, much needed ways in January of 2028. Ta-da. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all. Thank Thanks you. you. Thank Thanks you. to you too, Jeff.